everybody. Welcome into the Action Sports Jacks Pile On Podcast. Brett Martin along with Dan Hicken. The podcast brought to you by the Jacksonville Iceman. Hockey is back in Jacks. And while we're in that middle time, Daytona 500 is over, Dan. We look forward to yeah. the Combine, free agency, March Madness around the corner. And, uh, well, in the meantime, I'm just going to go play golf for the next couple of weeks. You should. I'm a little miffed at you right now because you're interrupting me. I'm trying to watch The Bachelor. I'm, <laughs> I'm in the Final Four. Um, and, you know, Tia, it looks like she's going to get waxed here. I don't think she's going to make it. And spoiler alert, uh, I've done my research, and I believe Becca's going to be your winner. So I'm trying to watch these hometown visits, but uh, duty calls. So uh, here I am with you on the uh, on the podcast. Great it's, to be along. It's the beauty of the podcast that <laughs> you can be sitting on your couch and waiting for a final rose. <laughs> I'm waiting for a rose here, and it doesn't look like I'm going to get one. Get one again. Hey. Uh, while I'm watching The Bachelor, apparently nobody watched the Daytona 500. Oh, no. I mean, in Jacksonville, it was very highly rated. But uh, nationally, I, did you see the numbers, Brett? Yeah, down 23%. Uh, one of the worst wow. ever, I think. Uh, yeah. You know what's interesting? I don't know if you saw that. First of all, uh, I thought it was a great day down at Daytona. And uh, yeah. I thought it was one of the best since I've been here, which is about a decade. And, okay. Um, I thought the pageantry was good, as always, but the stars were out. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning, I like the Chipper Jones touch, uh, you know, the Rascal Flats. They, so they did everything right. They had a gorgeous day. I mean, you couldn't have had a much right. better day. Right. I thought the right. racing was pretty good. Uh, you know, the racing had enough crashes, big names involved, a little controversy at the end, and a super storyline um, to victory lane. So I thought overall it was pretty good. And the buzz, even when we left the track on Sunday night, people were still in the RVs partying it up because I think it was on because of President's uh, Day weekend uh, people Mm -hmm. stayed so uh, overall that's great and I thought it was interesting Dale Earnhardt Jr. even commented after the race and he doesn't usually talk like this but he said hey it's been a rough couple years for the sport of NASCAR but after spending a couple days in Daytona I think it's in a good place and blah 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 so um, who knows where it's going I think this goes back to our conversation last week I, I don't think it's going to be as popular as everybody wants it to be, as highly rated as right. it once was. But there's still an audience. There's still money to be made. It's still a sport. It doesn't have to be a powerful sport. I think it might be returning to its somewhat niche of a sport. Mm-hmm. I, I, I haven't talked to you, you know, about the race uh, since we've reconvened. Uh, I had a few uh, thoughts about it. Look, I think they've hit rock bottom in terms of all their star, a lot of their stars are gone. So they've got to build up some of these guys. But how Austin Dillon and really Bubba Wallace, who could really steal this sport, I mean, that's somebody who could really, in the 43 car, that would be huge. Um, I thought the racing was great the first 100 laps. Um, I thought the racing was bad the second 90 laps. And then I thought the racing was unreal the last 10 laps because we had lead change. That was racing. Those last 10 laps, man, we had great race. When they got in that single file, though, Brent, over those second, you know, over those second 90 laps, oh, my gosh, I was about to lose my mind. I was begging for someone, anyone to try. And they just all seemed content to go around and around and around. But then we finally got a caution and we got bunched up and, man, we had some great, great racing. And then I also thought it was interesting that nobody really complained. Even Eric Almirola didn't complain about what Austin Dillon did on the final lap, which is basically 
win like Dale Earnhardt Sr. used to win. Get out of my way. Yeah. Rub it as racing. I'm knocking you right out of the way, and I'm going to go win the race. I'm sorry. And he darn sure did. He did it. Uh, you know, I think that's one of the cool things about it. Uh, you said, it. yeah, there's a lull in there. But I think the, mm-hmm. the lull came because so many guys were behind. They weren't on the lead lap that they said, hey, we got to right. stop knocking everybody out of the race here. Yeah. We're going to have a yeah. finish. And, and so I think a little bit of that. But um, I, I think what you said, you, you said it last week. We've all said it. Can it get back to its roots? And what does that mean? That means rubbing is racing. And yeah, I think what happened on that final lap is, you know what? I don't care if you're my buddy. I don't care if you're a nice guy. I don't care what car you have. I want right. to win the Daytona 500. And, and sometimes being that guy out in front is a sitting duck. We've seen it before. And um, I think you're right. I think that three car did what the old three car would have done. Doesn't care what anybody thinks. Just going to run that guy out of the way. And, you know, to uh, – in his defense, he did get quite a push, and Almirola was trying to block. So he, sure, I, sure. I bet even if you just let it play out and Almirola stays on the bottom and Dylan stays up top, he probably passes him anyway for the win. I would have thought um, so. So yeah. who knows? But it's fun. You know what? That's what the sport needs. You're right. And Bubba Wallace, you mentioned it, uh, second-place finish, highest finish ever for an African-American driver. This guy could be a saving grace for the sport because yeah. he's brash. He doesn't care what you think. And obviously, he's African American, and we don't see that a lot yeah. in this sport. So, be very interesting to see what kind of um, impact he can make, uh, did, you know. And on the heels of Danica, his, and also Dale leaving. Yeah, yeah. Did you see his uh, post race? I know you guys got him on the track, but when he went inside, yeah, it made me uncomfortable. He's crying was, so much. It was uncomfortable, and it was. It, but he was raw and emotional. It, it was great, but it was uncomfortable. But anyway. Um, it was fun to watch a lot of people rally around him. And let's be honest, I mean, the truth of the matter is he could bring a, a huge group of fans to NASCAR, which would be great for the sport. They, it's long overdue. And, uh, I, you know, I, for one, hope that he has a successful career and wins some races this year and shakes it up a little bit. Because, I, you know, for all, you know, all the jokes and things we make about it, I do enjoy the sport. I do enjoy watching it. And I hope, uh, I hope they, that they can find their – Find where they belong in, 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 in the ratings world and, and, and stop the bleeding a little bit and have a great season. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a lot like baseball. Baseball, people say, hey, it's going down. Sure. It's not this, not that. Well, look at the crowds. Look how much money's going around the sport. Are you telling me it's dead? Right. I don't believe so. Is it not as popular as it once was uh, when we were kids or uh, when your fathers were kids? Well, absolutely it's not. But it still can survive, and that's my point when it comes to NASCAR. It does not have to be one of the top two or three sports uh, in the sports culture. I think it's still going to play. Speaking of uh, a sport that might be getting ready to get a death sentence, depending uh-huh. on what the feds want to do, let's hope we first get a good March Madness and I can win a bracket because <laughs> March Madness uh-huh. could be a lot of fun, but it uh, looks like college <laughs> basketball is about to take a dive, depending on how many people are going to get in trouble. We won't get into that right now. We'll wait to, to that report and uh, more reports come out. But I'll tell you what, your Florida Gators are in trouble, and the Florida State Seminoles have clinched a spot, in my opinion, in the tournament. I'm kind of hoping the feds go ahead and shut it down right now. I'm tired of watching the Gators play. I mean, I, I want to get your opinion, though. The, the thing that we, we've turned on, uh, Gator fans have turned on Mike White a little bit. I, I don't agree with that. I, I I mean, I watched that Vanderbilt game on Saturday. and you, Look, you can't lose to Georgia and Vanderbilt. You just can't. Not back-to-back. It's, it's a horrible horrible uh, couple of losses. I just don't think they're that good. I think they're very overrated. Uh, if you told me, uh, you know, 
you know, if the better basketball team won, I, I think the better basketball team, I'll take Riley LeChance and the, and the Roberson kid who had 26 points or whatever he had and take those guys right now over the Gator guards. I mean, I was, you know, they're missing bunnies, Brett. They're missing little layups uncontested. I mean, Jalen Hudson is going to the basket to lay the ball in on a three-on-two that would put Florida back up a point with a minute to go, and he misses the shot. I mean, he just point blank range. And so, I you know, I don't understand all of a sudden how everybody is like, I hear these comments about Mike White, and he should be on the hot seat next year. What are you talking about? It's Florida basketball. Now, look, the Gators under Billy Donovan built a tremendous uh, program, and, you know, it's amazing that they've been to, since 1990, Brent, they have been to – basically average out to an Elite Eight every other year, which is really amazing when you think about it. But that's what they've done. That's what they've become. Um, so there's an expectation there, but it's not easy. And we'll see what happens. But I I don't anticipate I, – I, they got four really tough games left. I could see them losing all four, quite honestly. Yeah, I could too. I don't think they will, but I – but I could see them doing it. Uh, they could play themselves right out of the tournament. Uh, just a quick yeah. thought on I like Mike White a lot. I think he's a really good coach, to be honest with you. Yeah. And just remember, folks, he went to an Elite Eight last year. And yeah. So I, I think and he took uh, the same team that Billy had. That's right. And went sub 500 and got him to the NIT the following year. So, um, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. He's, he's, he's just going to. He's got an interesting mix right now. I mean, sometimes you get a bad mm-hmm. crop. Remember Billy in the last uh, couple of years? I don't know if it was his last year or the year prior, but he just didn't have mm-hmm. a good group. It just was, it didn't yeah. mesh. It didn't mean they were bad kids. Didn't mean, he just didn't have a good chemistry or a good combination of guards and bigs. And right now that's definitely the case with Mike White. And the bottom line is he got that team to play defense last year. This team is not a defensive team. They're not tough. Oof. And if you do that and you just rely on shooting, you're going to lose a lot of games. And maybe even blow a lot of leads. That's the most surprising thing. They continue to blow double-digit leads. Uh, hard to do when you're a halfway decent basketball team. But uh, they might play themselves out. I think Florida State has uh, cemented themselves in because all they really have to do is probably win one more game to get to win number right. 20. Um, so I think we'll still see the Knowles and Gators in. But I'll tell you what, they'll be early upset picks in my bracket most <laughs> likely. And I'll tell you something else. Here's an amazing thing, and I again, uh, I think Joe Lenardi is the best at forecasting the brackets of all the guys who do it. And even after this weekend, he has Florida as a six seed and FSU as an eight seed. And I have a hard time understanding that, but I don't get well, into call the Joe Looney because <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> but I mean, listen, I, I'm happy about it. But I mean, uh, Florida doesn't seem to be deserving of a six seed, and they certainly don't seem to be deserving of a higher or a lower seed, if you will, than uh, Florida State, who they lost to. Florida State's in a tougher conference, and Florida State has a better record. It makes not a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. Uh, but what, listen, the last two weeks are going to mean a lot. And then, of course, you do have the conference tournament. Not a lot to make or break often in the conference tournament, but for these mm-hmm. two teams, it might be. And, and especially in two leagues that are pretty decent. Even the SEC can stake claim to that this year that they're a good league, a pretty, pretty solid league. I don't know about a great league. I'm not committed to that, but um, no, 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 the no, tournament will be pretty do you good. Know that they, do you know that they have a high or they're, according to the RPI, they're a better conference than the ACC? Yeah, now, I can't I, go there. Yeah, I know. I can't either. I don't understand that. So, anyway, uh, we'll see what happens. But, but listen, 
Florida's going to be bubblicious here and real quick if they don't find a way to beat a Tennessee or an Auburn here this week. So we'll see what happens. But a lot of, a lot of work to do for Mike White. All right, let's switch gears to Jags real quick. Uh, quick thought. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Ramsey tweets uh, on Monday that uh, the Jags better go sign up Allen Robinson and Aaron Colvin. Um, GM Jalen. Is, is hey, Jalen, you're willing to give up a few millions, by the way, <laughs> yeah, for that? Right. I mean, <laughs> All right, on, your man. guess. Let's do a quick guess. Allen Robinson, yeah. um, we we know he's coming back. Well, we shouldn't say we know, but we really think he's coming back. We agree on that. Uh, franchised, or would you give him an extension? I'd love to give him an extension. Um, I don't know how, how much hardball he's going to be playing as well. He has to be willing to work with me a little bit here otherwise we end up franchising them um which i really don't want to do i need to have a little more flexibility uh i think that i think and i'm just guessing here i i think they can work something out he you know when we were around him uh, during the season he's he alan's got a little bravado in him and a little bit of, i'm gonna get my money even if i'm not you know even if i'm not playing gosh it's such a disappointment that he got hurt because he looked like he's gonna have another huge season but um, my best guess is that they definitely want to keep him, and I think they can work something out with him. What do you think? Uh, I think it will be a franchise tag just because of the business yeah. decision coming off the deal. Yeah. I'd be fine, by the way. Yeah. I would not even um, – I wouldn't criticize an extension at all. I thought they should have given him an extension last Labor Day uh, after that camp, but it turned out they were right because of the ACL, at least they lucked out in that regard, didn't pay him for a year he wasn't going to play. Yeah, but, there's uh, no way no, Aaron Colvin stay in, though, Brett. Yeah, and that's, and that's I think we all agree on that. I mean, he's going yeah. to chase money. They're, they're putting the, – the Jags just won't be able to afford him and pay him top dollar unless they want to reset the market at the nickel position. And I understand they might overpay a little bit for the nickel position, but I don't think mm-hmm. they'll break the bank. And somebody else will be willing to go and give like a Devon House kind of deal to Aaron Colvin. I, I'm pretty convinced of it. Hey, let me ask you a question a little bit. Speaking of money and the Jaguars, I don't know if you guys talked about it or if, if you've talked about it. I don't even know if you've seen it. Social media is a powerful thing. And I love Booga Nation. And I'm talking about Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I saw it. Not a good look, Leonard. No, nope, not at all. With the stacks of money. Don't do that. What are you thinking? And and you know, I, listen. You spend your money however you want to. And I, obviously, he's taking a private jet somewhere with a bunch of friends. And I'm I'm quite certain he's probably footing the bill. I don't mind that. That's your choice. But you know, he got twenty million dollars. I get it. But don't don't. That's just not a good look to be sitting there with stacks of cash in front of you saying, I'm not changing. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was an awful look, really. And, and yeah. listen, I, I love Lunder. I think he did a great that's job this year. That's worth a phone call to me. That's, that's, yeah. You know, that's a, that's, a, that's a Tom or a Doug. Uh, get Leonard on the phone. You know, again, remember now, we suspended Leonard for a, what he said was a miscommunication, but was kind of a message being sent. Yeah, just be a little bit smarter than that, Leonard. Come on. Yeah, I, I think uh, it'll be, you know, Calais Campbell might give him a phone call at the very least. and be. Uh, yeah. I think he, he cares about his guys like that. And he, his locker's yeah. right next to Leonard, and or at least close by Leonard. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. I, 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 thought, I was a little taken aback by that. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, go check out Leonard Fournette's Twitter if you get a chance. And it's just a, a yeah. pile of money. I mean, it's like oh, a pile of money on a jet. <laughs> And, and, by the way, earlier in that day, I think it was earlier in the day, he tweeted with about three different Rolls Royces 
next door yeah. to his driveway. Now, he loves cars. These guys like cars. They can go buy whatever they I want, like you're it. saying. But yeah. I think he has to be careful. I, I thought he was super mature coming in. And once that whole, sus- well, not suspension, but at least sitting him down during the season, I said, oh, wait a minute. Maybe he's got more going on. Right. He is a young guy, and he's got to learn how to become a pro. And So we don't really know Leonard yet enough. Uh, we know he comes from a tough background, and mm-hmm. I just hope he takes care of his money. I mean, this isn't about image to me or anything. I just hope he, he's got a couple kids. He's got a family. He's already taken care of his mom, I think, yeah. buying her a house or a car or something. Um, mm-hmm. So just be smart with your money. And I, I didn't like that image. It's not the worst thing in the world. If that's right. the worst thing that happens this summer <laughs> with the Jags, that's fine. Yeah, it'll be okay. But, but yeah. I, I agree with you. I was a little like, oh, no, no, Leonard, don't do it. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of the Jags, uh, Dan had a chance to sit down with team president Mark Lamping a few days ago about all the changes happening at Everbank Field from tarps to tickets and, of course, uniforms. Here's the conversation. I'm not sure anybody's going to miss them. We uh, should have a tarp burning ceremony. <laughs> but, yes. uh, and we could sell little pieces. There you go. You know, you go back to uh, when Shad bought the team, and I think that was something that, that he really focused on from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they were unfortunately a little bit of a, a visual reminder to people outside of Jacksonville um, that maybe Jacksonville wasn't a strong enough football right. market. And I think Jaguar fans were so unfairly criticized, much maligned for, for no real reason. And part of it had to do, people could always point to the fact you have to cover up seats. And we all know why that had to be that way. It's because of Florida, Georgia. No, no NFL stadium in a market the size of Jacksonville could support the capacity if we had all the tarps on. Is it fair to say then they're gone for good, never again? Or how do you, how do you attack that? Well, I don't know. You can never say never. I certainly ho- uh, hope not. You know, we'll have a capacity that'll be just under 68,000, which mm-hmm. is a big number. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, is that the right number long term? You know, I can't tell you. I hope it is. How gratifying was last year though, because the product on the field matched what you guys had been done. And that's something that you had been saying, now if we can just get this team good, yeah. if we can just get this team good. Well, how, how did that invigorate the franchise? We know what it did to the city, obviously. Well, if you were internal, you knew it was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. It was a major building job that Dave Caldwell oversaw from the beginning and now supplemented with Tom Coughlin's influence and Doug Marone and you know all, all those on the football staff have done such an exceptional job. You know, we all had confidence that that it was going to happen, but you know, I'm not I'm not so sure that we're not in a better position right now to be able to take advantage of this enthusiasm than if this would have happened, you know, five years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the stadium wouldn't be, you know, what it is today. Mm-hmm. The investment in people that we've made, the investment in the fan experience, and you know, we can really take advantage now. When you compare the ticket prices to the rest of the NFL, they're unbelievably low. At some point, they have to go up, but they're going up some this year. Is that part of it? Well, no one should be surprised right. because, you know, if I've said it once, said I've it, said yeah. it a dozen times, <laughs> just wait till we have a winning year. <laughs> and but but at the same time, we have to make sure that, you know, since this isn't the biggest market, mm-hmm. that people can still afford to attend right. J- Jaguar games. And, you know, uh, we had amongst the lowest average ticket price in the entire league uh, this past year. As we look ahead to next year, we think we're still going to be in the bottom quartile. So we're mm-hmm. still going to be in the bottom eight. Okay. And, you know, we're never going to have the most expensive tickets. This market wouldn't support it. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll ever have an average ticket price that's in the top half. Mm-hmm. But if we can begin getting towards an average price compared to the rest of the league and with everything else we're doing, then, you know, we're going we're gonna to produce what our fans really want, which is a competitive team on the field each and every year and a financially stable team. 
uh, that means that NFL football is going to be here forever. It's fun to go out and about in the community and get tons of questions about the Jaguars. Uh, what's going to happen with Blake? How do they improve the offense? What are they going to do about the defense? And what about those uniforms is another question. So we confirm that we're, we're changing things up a little bit here? Yes, we are. I mean, I, you know, I sort of like the old uniforms, yeah. but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but, you know, you have windows where you can change your uniforms. Every team does. You know, I think we should be a franchise that's willing to consider new things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you always have to do new and different things. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we should be a franchise uh, that has earned the right to say, hey, we're just a traditional franchise and we have all this history and we have all this success right. and all these Super Bowl victories. That's right. one thing. Right. We don't have that. Right. So I think we always need to, you know, until we earn that, I think we should continue to be open to new and different things. Doesn't mean we have to do it, but I don't think we should turn our eye on new opportunities. Well, you were open to new and different things with the helmet. How will the helmet be remembered, Mark Lamping? I hope it's remembered as the Jaguars, you know, trying something that no other team would try. Maybe for good reason. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, I do know this. You know, we, were, we worked really hard in partnership with Nike on mm -hmm. that. Nike was really the entity that was, that was pushing us to do something different. Um, because what they were really trying to do is to bring to the National Football League the type of creativity that you see week in and week out in uh, NCAA football. And, look, if you go back when we did that, we didn't have, what did we have to lose? Right. You know, right. nobody right. was really paying attention to us. How is that any different than what the Cincinnati Bengals did when they introduced fair. their helmet? Mm -hmm. You know, other than they haven't changed it. Right. You know, right. but they still, I did, you know, I, I, it's amazing how, how many fans there are of that two-tone helmet now. Right. Now that they know that there's going to be a new helmet. Yeah. Everybody wants one, I'm sure. Uh, that's <laughs> teal, is it, uh, can you give me any kind of insight, a little more teal? I think what happened, you know, uh, with teal is that its prominence in the uniform changed a little bit over the past few years. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that, that was very apparent to me, it, it didn't change with our fans. Mm -hmm. Our fans continued to point to Teal yeah. as their primary wear and the way that they express their loyalty for the team. One thing about Mark Lamping, man, he's always been real matter of fact, tell it like it is, and he understands you know, the situation, but uh, uh, he had always said, I told you guys, we had a winning season, we were going to raise ticket prices. They're still in the bottom fourth, the bottom eight of the 32 teams. I mean, it's a pretty affordable ticket here in, uh, in Jacksonville, FLA, for the National Football League. And we'll continue to battle the small market things, but a lot of positive things happening with the Jaguars, and it's great to see. we got a great home schedule next year, and I think we got a good football team that's going to compete. I, I I'm, I'm super excited. I, I, I'm, I'm really happy for this community and this football team, and, and I hope that they can continue to mesh together. This is a story we'll work on maybe as we look toward the season, uh, but I think there, the trust level in the Jags brass, and I'm talking from Shotcon to Mark Lamping uh, to Tom Coughlin, Dave Caldwell, Doug Marone, it's got to be at an all-time high this century. And a lot of that has been because of Mark. There's a trust in, okay, Mark Lamping knows what he's doing. If he thinks this is the right way to go, I believe him. And I think there's a big trust in that. And then, of course, the football people got – earned some trust this year with what they did on the field. So that's a nice place to be uh, for the organization. Of course, we'll talk plenty of Jags with the Combine coming up next week and then um, free agency in just a couple of weeks. Speaking of trust and kind of knowing your clientele, how about the uh, Jacksonville Icemen? I had a chance the last couple of days to catch up with their team president about the inaugural season of the Icemen. And uh, interesting listen about the business side of it and also what's happening on the ice. 
hockey season. Hockey is not only back in Jacks, but the season is coming to uh, a, a near conclusion for the Jacksonville Icemen. Uh, Bob Aravlo, uh, the president of the Jacksonville Iceman. Year number one of this franchise, Bob, and before we talk about what's ahead and what's to come and where you guys sit in the standings and how it's going in that regard, um, what's this been like, uh, hockey in Jacksonville? You know, a lot of people ask me that question, and, and the first thing I do is I say thank you because it's just been, it's been far uh, exceeding our expectations in terms of the fan base. Um, the loyalty of the fan base is unreal. Um, our fans are more like um, uh, they're, they're part of they're part of this whole movement that we want to bring the, that we bring to Jacksonville, and that is to grow the sport of ice hockey. Um, and they're they're all part of it. We we started our season ticket renewal drive, and and you know we've we've got almost half of our season tickets uh, already committed for next year, and that's only in like a week and a half. So um, it's the fastest I've ever seen it happen. So so you know, and the crowds have been you know six seven thousand on. On Fridays and Saturdays, they're you know between seven and eight. So it's been it's been just a great start. And then on the ice, uh, we were talking uh, the 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 team got off to a bit of a slow start. Lots of young kids on the team. We had 16 first-year players on the team, first-year pros, and uh, they've molded together very nicely. Um, and uh, and and have gotten us right back into the playoff race. So only being six points behind uh, Orlando right now in the playoff race, um, it's it's kind of nice. When this organization was born, and we talked to you guys uh, over the last year, obviously you had a vision, and you thought hockey could work in Jacksonville. But I still think a lot of people say hockey in Jacksonville? Uh, how does that make sense? Um, we see it in other pockets of Florida as well, and it's been successful. Uh, what were, what was the vision of why it could work here in Jacksonville, and has it played out to your mind and maybe even exceeded some expectations with some of the figures you just gave us, six, 7,000 folks on a Friday, Saturday night? Yeah, it definitely has exceeded our expectations. The the two things that uh, that we knew that we'd be successful with is one is is that there were enough people that grew up with hockey living in and around Jacksonville. Um, you know, there's been a migration uh, from the north and the upper Midwest where hockey is 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 king, and and uh, so we knew that 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 was there when our research showed that. Um, and then we also knew that uh, the 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 rest of our crowd would come from uh, just being a great family entertainment value. Um, you know, the Jumbo Shrimp have done a great job of that, and we felt uh, you know all winter long there, that that was a little that was missing here, and um, and we could provide that. Um, so you know, our games are interesting. Half the people they're very loud. Um, and half the people know what they're cheering about. The other half are learning what they're cheering about, <laughs> but they follow the first half. So you know, <laughs> that's so it's a lot of fun, yeah, and it's a fun. great sport. It's 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 fast. It's it moves quickly. Um, kids love it. And then we do a lot with our game presentation to make sure that we keep everybody in the audience happy, but especially the kids. If, if mom and dad take the kids to a hockey game and the kid doesn't have a good time, they're not coming back, you know. So, so we gear a lot of our game presentation towards kids. Yeah, I want to ask you a little bit more about the kind of that clientele. I think it's interesting around here. Obviously, you talk to professional franchise, it's different. Uh, a lot of money involved. It can be corporate dollars. Uh, when to talk to talk about the Jags, you mentioned the Jumbo Shrimp. 
trip where I think a lot of kids come um, with moms and dads. And, and then I think you even have an older part of the audience that just love baseball and maybe uh, know the Suns and now the Jumbo Shrimp. Uh, we noticed when the Jacksonville Armada came on board that it felt like it was more of a millennial niche, uh, at least from our vantage point, just because they know soccer. They kind of grew up with the, the sport of soccer. Uh, you mentioned the kids. Uh, is that kind of is that where uh, the clientele is at? Is that the target audience? Uh, give us a sense of what 6,000 folks looks like on a Friday and kind of the demographic of that, if you will. Our 6,000 folks on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday afternoon games that we have three of them um, are, are different than our demographics on a Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday night. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and, and Wednesdays seems to be uh, this year was our, our, our most likely date to play a weekday game. Um, we started with uh, using some of the some of the techniques that other teams use, including the shrimp, um, with uh, the the um, the whole uh, two dollar beer nights and, and stuff, two dollar beer, two dollar wine. So that was a millennial crowd. That that the, those are people that are coming out. They're looking to have a great time, do something different. Um, and my daughter's a millennial, so I know that uh, that they always want to find something different to do. And um, and they're coming out and they're having fun and, and everything else. On, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's when it's a, more of a family crowd, and um, and so we gear our game presentation to that. So so we do a little bit different game presentation based on the night of the week we're playing, and uh, and also the big groups. You know, um, that's been a big part of our business. Um, you know, we did uh, Hockey Fights Cancer Weekend to help the American Cancer Society. We did military appreciation for three games. Uh, I'm sorry, two games. Um, and those brought out a ton of groups and a ton of people supporting those causes. And, our, again, our game presentation switched to um, to benefit that, you know. Um, we knew Jacksonville had a very strong um, uh, Christian community, and uh, and we ended up bringing Colton Dixon in from who used to be, who appeared on American Idol, and is now a Christian rock star. Um, so he performed a post game concert for us. Uh, so we we just try to do different things for different people, and we're always aware of of what kind of crowd we're going to have, and then we flip the game presentation to to uh, to be able to entertain that crowd. That's pretty cool. Uh, a lot of different avenues to explore, and you guys sound like you're doing it. Uh, then there's the on-the-ice portion. You mentioned it, a little slow to start, but now things are heating up and you're playing good hockey and making a push toward the postseason. Uh, 20 games or so left uh, in this season, including uh, Friday night and Sunday at home uh, at Veterans Memorial Arena. How important, I always wonder this, and I'm curious about it, whether it is the, the Jumbo Shrimp or Armada or uh, Sharks or, or now you guys, how important is the winning aspect to what you guys do? Well, I think it's very important. I think any team that uh, that starts the season and says, you know, I, we can get by with uh, being mediocre, uh, probably shouldn't be in the business. Um, you know, this is uh, this is our product, and and we want to win. Um, and you know, I bought in the, the winningest coach in ECHL history, and Jason Christie, because I had no intention of of losing from the first season on. Um, and and I just uh, you know I know with a first year team, and especially with as many young kids as we had on the team, you have to you have to have patience. And 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 uh, I've had confidence in Jason all the way through. And now um, you know the things he was telling me about certain players are actually happening, and it's so cool to see that. 
So I think I think you have to win. Um, you know, can we draw without winning? I'm sure we could. Um, you know, we we drew well all season long when we were losing, and unfortunately, we were losing a lot of those games by one goal, which was good because you knew you were you belonged on the ice with the other team. But it also is frustrating at times, um, you know. But uh, but you know, so I I knew that uh, uh, you know the fans were coming, uh, whether we're winning or losing. They really appreciated a lot of them appreciated having hockey back in town. Uh, and I'm just hoping that now, uh, as we get uh, into the last uh, last third of the season, that that we can we can really uh, you know drive towards the playoffs and and uh, and hopefully make the playoffs. Bob Barablo, president of the Jacksonville Iceman, with us here on the Action Sports Jacks Pile On podcast. Uh, one last question for you. We are in Olympic time. There's a bit of an Olympic fever, even though it's the Winter Olympics, uh, I think probably takes on a little bit different of a fever here in, in Florida and in the Southeast. But do you think you'll get a boost from that? I'm curious to see. Not only you have a playoff push, you have uh, around 20 games to go, so uh, you're getting down toward the end. But now on television at night we'll see more hockey so the sport is exposed maybe new fans or just kind of it puts uh, that in people's mind to say hey let's go down to the arena and watch do you think you'll get a little bump from the fact that the winter olympics are happening right now I think we will. Um, I was disappointed in the NHL's decision not to participate in the Olympics this year because truly hockey and soccer are probably the two biggest international sports there are. Um, you know, and, and uh, not having the best players uh, on all of the teams um, because the NHL elected not to participate um, it takes a little bit of the shine off of it. But uh, but it's going to be fun to watch young kids play and, and you know, uh, and some of the some older players. I think there's 26 players on, scattered throughout all the teams in the Olympics that used to play in the ECHL. So that's kind of an interesting stat. Um, and you know, so it's going to be fun. I, I, you know what? I watched last night. I watched the USA women versus Canada, and uh, it was a really, really good hockey game. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, and I mentioned this to our coach, who's from Canada. Unfortunately, the Canadians won, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but the U.S. women played well. And, and I haven't seen any of the men's hockey. I'm not even sure it's been on yet. But uh, but I don't want to watch it out of curiosity to see, you know. Um, what goes on there? Will it help us? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Winter Olympics are my favorite Olympics, um, and and I still can't believe anyone does ski jumping. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it'll be fun to, to to just to get everyone into that winter sports mood because uh, there's so many hours of it being broadcasted now. So um, so I hope it I hope it helps us. And and when the Olympics are over, um, you know, uh, again. I'm anticipating we'll be right in the thick of things in terms of our playoff race. So it'll be a great opportunity for people to come out. We only have nine home games left this season in the regular season. We have 21 games total, nine of them at home. And uh, we got all great weekend dates, Fridays and Saturdays, uh, a couple of Sundays and one Sunday left. Um, so it's a great opportunity. If you haven't come out, if fans haven't come out to see this yet, they have to come because um, if they're not, they're doing themselves a disservice. People are having a great time at these games. And, um, and, and you know, I really ask people to come out here, 
support what we're doing and uh, and support the organizations we're working with. Well, that's good to have people downtown uh, on all these different nights uh, during the week and on the weekend uh, at all these different dates throughout the winter months. So uh, great job, uh, Bob Arablo, Jacksonville Lightsman. Congrats on all the success this year. You mentioned the home dates, nine left, uh, Friday the 23rd against Norfolk, 730. Yes. Uh, they'll drop the puck. And then 3 o'clock against Brampton on uh, Sunday afternoon. So uh, you mentioned the difference in crowds. Probably see a lot of kids out at that one, uh, 3 o'clock on a Sunday. Yeah, that game's, that game's selling real well right now. And, um, and, and that's, uh, that's a team that we, we played them in Brampton earlier this season, and we got our first ever franchise win um, against them. So, uh, so it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. And the Nor Norfolk game is uh, – Norfolk right now is, is neck and neck with us uh, in sixth place. So um, those are always important, uh, you know, and, uh, and everyone's going to have a great time when they come out and, and watch these because well. the guys are playing hard. Awesome. Bob, thanks for taking us inside the business a little bit. Uh, congrats again on this uh, inaugural season of the Jacksonville Iceman. Looks like it's been a great success, and hopefully uh, you guys will uh, finish it off on the ice with a successful uh, last month or two. I'm with you. Actually, last uh, hopefully three, three or four three. months left. So. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Baba Roblo, the president of the Jacksonville Iceman. Uh, nice season they've had. Everybody's saying good things about the Iceman. We'll see if they can make a playoff push and, of course, get to the arena on Friday night, 7.30, o'clock on Sunday to check out the Jacksonville Iceman. Dan, with the football season as busy as it is, I kind of feel bad I haven't been to the Iceman uh, as much as I would like to, but I think we'll be able to do that over the next few weeks. Hopefully everybody else right. will do it. I at least want to drive the Zamboni. Absolutely. Listen, hockey is a great, great sport to watch in person. There's nothing better. I, I love hockey, so you're right. We've been a little extra busy with the Jags and the, and, and the National Football League, but we're just getting our wits back and getting our bearings straight. And so looking forward to uh, covering some of the other sports as well. All right, Hicken, go back to see if you get the final rows. And, uh... it's, yeah, it's go time. Thank you for allowing me. I've got a good 15 minutes here, so we'll see <laughs> uh, what's going to happen here. It's, this is big with Ari. I know, he looks a little smarmy to me. Uh, he's Ari Leyendijk's uh, son. Um, and, of course, Ari Leyendijk won, I think, two Indianapolis 500s, but this guy's just out to find himself a lady. <laughs> I think I'd rather talk Indy 500 than The Bachelor. <laughs> so that's going to end this podcast. For Dan Aiken, oh, well. I'm Brent Martin, the Action Sports Jacks Pile On podcast, brought to you by the Jacksonville Iceman. Hockey is back in Jacks. Have a good week, everybody.